After 14 years at Anomaly, founding partner Karina Wilshire will be assuming the global CEO title at the agency. Currently, the global COO Wilshire has long been groomed for the new role and will assume the chief executive position in January. True to its name, Anomaly is an outlier in its space, a non-traditional agency that was founded with a commitment to intellectual property and creating products. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of AdAge, and you're listening to AdLib, a product of our own. Wilshire joins me today to discuss the news and what it means for her and Anomaly. We discuss its most famous product, the legal cannabis pen Dosist, the breaking down of the holding company model, Brexit, which the London-based Wilshire describes as, quote, a shit show, and we get into the struggle of Anomaly's own parent company, MDC Partners. We talk about evolving consumer behaviors in general and what 2019 looks like for Anomaly specifically. Karina Wilshire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, I was going to start with your title, but it's already uh, outdated, right? You are the global CEO of Anomaly, but you have some news. Would you like to share it with us here today? I do have some news. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, uh, after, you know, a, a, a great time at Anomaly, have now just been promoted. So still, obviously, as a partner of the company, but assuming now the global CEO role. That's, a, that's quite a title, global CEO it is quite a title. <laughs> <Intimidating>. <laughs> to be honest, we're never really that bothered about titles, but there you go. No, congratulations. So you've been with your founding uh, partner. Uh, you were most recently Global COO. You're announcing today. I believe we're making news with this very podcast that you are the uh, next in line to be CEO of Anomaly starting effective January 1st, 2019. Yes. Congratulations. Um, so what does that mean? What do you what, what you have sort of historically been tasked with shaping the agency's global strategy? Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you what well, what does that mean for 2019? But as the global CEO, how is your job actually changing? Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, uh, it's been a natural progression. You know, um, when I joined the company, um, there was obviously a fun, a wonderful foundation, but part of my coming on board and part of the reason why. I was hired, hired by the founders was essentially to help scale the company and, and really expand the offering. Mm -hmm. And that has really been what we have all been doing as a collective. Um, and that will, of course, continue. But I think um, just the the step change really is uh, is what I'm excited about is yet another step change in, in the company's history. Right. Um, and, you know, we are forever ambitious there's more there's plenty more to go around so that's that's really the opportunity there yeah so we'll go we'll, we'll unpack a lot of that you said scale and expand uh, and that you were brought on to do that um brought on from where yeah so i joined anomaly from fallon london mm -hmm. uh and similarly i was a partner of that company uh i was there for actually 10 years um and i kind of grew up in that agency as well as grew that agency to uh, agency of the year, top 10 mm -hmm. uh, agency. Um, and I really, to be honest, I was incredibly happy there. Uh, it was the most creatively awarded agency in the world at that time. But when I started having conversations with Carl and Jason and Mike and, and, and the rest of the founders. This is Carl, Carl Johnson, Jason DeLand. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Mike Byrne. Byrne. So the founding partners really of Anomaly. Um, and uh the ambition and really the uniqueness of the offering and the model was what attracted me um, and con convinced me to leave Fallon. So, what was the what was the model? 
what that you were asked to scale and expand? So the model, you know, as the name suggests, really, yeah. like the idea is really the proposition of the company. Um, and I think um, when we set up the company 14 years ago, we recognized that there was uh, a better way mm-hmm. to, to, to create an agency that was probably fit for purpose and more future proofed. So just recognizing the amount of change that is happening in the industry, as well as changing consumer behavior, changing media landscape. What we offer is um, a really, really strong strategic answer and being incredibly agnostic with our clients when we, you know, I think we're incredibly good listeners. Mm -hmm. So really interrogating what is the question that we're trying to solve for. And then and only then kind of having the, uh, the, the, the conversation with our clients about what is that, how should that manifest, right? I think as you know better than I do, but most agencies, I think, have got a legacy model where they pretty much have, um, if you like, a predetermined answer Mm -hmm. or a channel or a particular discipline to sell to the client, and our model uh, is completely agnostic. Okay, so let's let's take a look at what that that actually looks like. You are... uh, You guys are big on IP and product development. Um, uh, Probably in a way that is anomalous for uh, when you look at other agencies. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? The one that you're most known for because it's probably the sexiest product is is Humble, which is now Dosist, which is the, maybe the top selling uh, legal cannabis pen uh, in the country, uh, sold wherever cannabis is legal. Um, Jason was recently at our Ad Age Next uh, conference, yeah. and we had a long talk about cannabis and cannabis marketing. What was, did you, were you personally involved with, with Dosist? Not really, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, I think Dosist is, to your point, it is the most recent expression um, and the recent sort of uh, proof of concept, if you like, of one of the founding principles of Anomaly, which is a commitment to IP. Mm-hmm. So um, right from when we started the company, uh, a commitment to creating our own ventures, our own business ventures and IP and products and services has always been there. Is this is this what you meant when you said future proofing? Because if you own the IP, you, you make the products, you're a little less subject to the the, the whims and vagaries of, of whatever else the agencies, you know, the clients. I think like, that's definitely a big yeah. part of it. I think beyond that, it also, it trains a different muscle, mm-hmm. right? I think if we are marketeers and innovators ourselves, then we are creating different experiences and different knowledge bases within the agency. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of that is something that we pass on to our other clients. Right. So what what are some of the learnings then that you, that you are passing on to your client, other clients? I mean, I think, um, you know, really... I just said learnings. I can't... I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> but what are the, what are the what learnings? What are the learnings? Yeah. The learnings, these, yeah. these elusive learnings. Yeah. Um, I think just the entrepreneurial yeah. nature, right? The entrepreneur nature of the company, and those are things that you do learn, right? You learn through... We've had many, many failures. Would love to hear about some <laughs> of those. Well, I think those. the reality is, you know, over the 14 years, you know, Dosist is for sure... Fingers crossed, right? Proving to be uh, quite the poster child um, for, uh, of course, kind of the the changes in uh, cannabis industry as well as IP. Um, But we have had experiences, good and bad, along the way, and you learn which of the 
parts of the customer journey and which are the parts of the sort of product development cycle that you can do and should do. Mm -hmm. And frankly, which are the things that you shouldn't and you need other people to do. I mean, when I joined the company way back when, um, we were still learning that, right? Learning to let go of certain things. Mm -hmm. um, like phone, you know, we had a makeup brand, we're phoning and getting the product palettes produced in China and actually learning that isn't our strength, right? Mm -hmm. um, similarly for EOS, which is another one of our historical IP uh, products, which is now the one, number one lip balm yeah. in the US. You know, that was a really good example where we created the product, we developed the whole um, go-to-market plan, the design, the form, et cetera, et cetera. But when it came to the marketing of it, um, the customer marketing of it, we hired a different agency. So we actually won an FE as a client, which oh, which is always sort of like a perverse but, pleasure, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, interesting that you brought up EOS because as your product, there was a there was a I don't know I want to call it a controversy, but there was a, a minor backlash on social media about whether or not it may cause rashes. Was did that fall to you guys to to deal with that? No, I think you know at the time again, and and this is one of the benefits of of doing IP. It does show you right the whole kind of exposure, the good and the bad of of bringing things successfully to market. Um, and when you asked about the things that we can kind of pass on to our clients, I think we do therefore end up having different conversations with our clients because we have had the experiences. So we want to talk about a distribution strategy. We want to and recognize the importance of partnerships, everything that goes into making a successful product, especially today, mm -hmm. uh, above and beyond communications or uh, definitely advertising. So back to EOS, not to, <laughs> not to beat a dead horse. Uh, where does that stand now? There was, a, I believe, a lawsuit at one point. Yeah, so we, so we no longer own any of that. Not, not your IP, no, not, not your no, problem Divested, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, well, you do have, though, a diverse roster of blue chip clients. You've got people from, everyone from Google Parent Alphabet to... Uh, Disney, Anheuser-Busch, Nike, Unilever. What are there product categories that are missing from your roster, or some or areas that you want to push into that you're looking to fill out? Especially as you assume the role of, of global CEO in the new year. Yeah, I think um, honestly we don't really target business development in a traditional way, mm -hmm. um, and I think we are probably better defined by our clients and potential prospects. Um, by the types of questions that we solve for. Mm -hmm. So it isn't it mm -hmm. isn't at all, right, we're going for a particular category or a particular discipline. It's like, what is the question right. um, and what's the value of the work that we can do uh, and the impact that that can have on a client's business? And then we kind of just figure that out with a client on whether it's a good fit and appropriate fit for us. Mm -hmm. Are there recent or, or new uh, clients that you've been working with that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a big uh, global appointment was WW, so previously Weight Watchers. Right. And I think that is a very, very good example where it's a, uh, you know, a wonderful product and legacy brand, but going through a complete reinvention. Mm. Are you and, guys leading that reinvention? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and with, of course, uh, partners and with, with the client, but there's a very clear ambition to go, you know, what was once perhaps your 
you know, your mum's, your grandma's even diet brand mm -hmm. and it's now repositioning as a modern wellness brand. What does that really look like? Is that, was that, so that was deliberate in the renaming. You wanted to get weight out of there. Was that the Yes. Thinking? Now we inherited the, the, the name change. The so name. we weren't okay. behind that, okay. but we were brought on to ensure frankly, that it wasn't just a name change right. and that the business really does evolve. There have been a lot of name changes lately. It seems like the thing to do when you're like uh, almost almost out of ideas, almost, you know, KFC, speaking Kentucky Fried Chicken, yeah. Dunkin', isn't Dun Dunkin' Donuts is now Dunkin'. Ad advertising age is now ad age. <laughs> uh, um, well, if you're looking at reinvention, you know, it's, uh, but it's not an easy task. It's, it can sometimes be, of course, be a risky strategy. But I think the most important thing is, again, a bit like the discussion that we're having around titles, mm -hmm. beyond the name, beyond the title, what is it? What do you really stand for? What are, what are you really about? Mm -hmm. uh, is there going to, do you have new work that we're going to be We will have. That? Okay. Rough time frame. It's There'll right. be some seasonal work, you <laughs> okay, know. There yeah. you go. Um, speaking of seasons, it uh, was a, a rough quarter for, for MDC Partners, the, the holding company that, that owns Anomaly. Um, is that the correct formulation, owns Anomaly? Uh, MDC is currently searching for new leadership. The CEO, uh, Scott Kaufman, is going to be out at the end of the year, just as you assume the global leadership position. Companies exploring strategic options, including possibility of a sale. Do you have, what can you say around that? Can you say anything around that? What's sure, your take? Yeah. sure. I mean, I, I can only talk for Anomaly, right? Right. Um, uh, and no change in that, which is we have always run Anomaly very independently. Right. And I think that's why we've been extremely successful. I think MDC's successful. hotter shops can all say that with 72 and Sunny. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and, and therefore we focus on ourselves, right, and being delivering and performing. And so everything else candidly is you know a distraction mm -hmm. so um business as usual for us it doesn't really impact us right okay um what what does what does impact you you're sitting you're sitting in london um you uh how would you characterize brexit's impact on <laughs> on what's happening uh with your clients with spending there is this how big of a shit show is it can can you Break it's it down. a shit show, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think the context and, and me having relocated uh, to London about a year ago, and obviously I'm toing and froing from, from the US and across all of our other offices as well, but the the debate and the conversation is, of course, incredibly hot, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it is relatively chaotic, of course, from a political standpoint. I think from a commercial um, and a client standpoint, there is just um, an increased level of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, now, that can manifest in specific things. Um, so Unilever is a, you know, is a client, mm -hmm. very important client of ours. They have had their own um, uh, Brexit related topics play out in terms of where will they, you know, will they remain in London? Uh, will they move? That has come down as uh, they are remaining in uh, in the UK. So mm. I think that's a really that's positive sign. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, it's a real real positive sign. So so other than the specifics, I think there's just a general context of uncertainty. Mm. And I think, of course, when you overlay the lens that the industry is already having, um, it's just another factor. Mm -hmm. What what are the other issues in the industry that you have just alluded to. I mean, we talked about MDC. Um, 
what are you, when you look at the bigger holding companies, what do you make of the the model today, and is it, is it breaking down the way a lot of people seem to think it is? Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't take you know a rocket scientist to see and observe right the demise of the big holding companies, and that has been. Um, playing out for a number of years I think it's coming to a uh, of course it's coming to a sharp point now Mm -hmm. but I think um, candidly agencies like us um, who were born at a completely different time with a very very different perspective Mm -hmm. on what it is to create a modern agile global network in inverted commas I think um, you know we've we've actually been benefiting from some of that um, difficulty that the networks are having. You know, we ourselves have always tried incredibly hard to remove a lot of the barriers that get in the way mm-hmm. of those networks doing a good job for their clients, right? And all the those networks are, are making noises uh, that they're reorganizing in the ways that you were sort of organized from the outset. Sure. Um, I mean, you came from Fallon, uh, which is a publicist shop, and, and you've got... Artur Sadoon over there with Marcel. What do you make of of what's going on there specifically since you have had experience in that exact model? Yeah. I mean, again, to be honest, my personal experience when I led Fallon, um, similar to Anomaly, we ran it very, very independently. And the minute that began to change was when it didn't feel as comfortable for oh, me. interesting. Okay. Um, but, but I think the challenge, of course, regardless of the type of talent that they have there is how quickly that can they evolve um, and really what is that connective tissue between their group or mm-hmm. their offices even. Um, for us, you know, we have one p mm-hmm. So you immediately remove those kind of legacy systems that get in the way, right? We're incredibly connected as, as an agency and we've set ourselves up in order to have a very fluid way of working so clients can access any of our talent across our seven offices mm-hmm. um, quickly and, and and efficiently, which I think is just pretty impossible uh, for those big organizations right. to do. Which are which are siloed, and yeah. you have a thing called the last silo, yes. which is uh, was a, a Hispanic marketing group. What is first of all, explain what the last silo is and why call it that. Sure. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think again that is a continuation of the sort of broader anomaly offering where. We are always trying to innovate and expand our own offering to be to remain front of market and to remain relevant and 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 be well placed to serve our clients. So uh, I think recognizing, of course, the huge changes in the demographics of the u s mm-hmm. that had not been matched by any change really within the industry. And so Hispanic marketing has traditionally remained an incredibly siloed offering different agencies you know, different models, and actually terribly, even different perception Mm -hmm. of the caliber of talent. Uh, And so we literally took aim at that and said, look, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to have a separate silo offering when the demographics of the country, you know, are completely different now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we brought Hispanic expertise and, uh, and the Hispanic marketing as an integral part of the core offering of Anomaly uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, we're enjoying a lot of momentum with that. And um, one of the biggest um, things that I'm really proud of, not just is the the 
the work that we've done and the business that we've developed off the back of that, but is um, is actually when we went out there and talked about this commitment to breaking down the last silo, the influx of talent that came to us, kind of like finally recognizing, you know, actually we can, you know, we should be having a seat at the table uh, and 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 being able to lead solutions for our clients as opposed to being almost like a sort of second tier tacked on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, where were you before Fallon? How did you, where, where did you emerge from? <laughs> so before Fallon, I was at Low Howard's Bank uh-huh. in London. So I was there for a couple of years. Um, uh, and there, I guess I really, you know, that was in its heyday in, in, in the UK. And, uh, I really learned about the craft, uh, and the power of creativity. And, uh, you know, the whole motto there was about kind of good being the enemy of the great. So that commitment to doing really remarkable work mm-hmm. um, and the evolution of where I've, you know, went from Lowe's to Fallon and then to Anomaly has just been continuing that theme but really expanding the definition of what great work is. Right. Um, and obviously at, at our place, work in inverted commas means everything, as you say, from product innovation uh through to design to packaging and of right. course communications. Jason, not to, not to keep bringing him up, but I, I, I like Jason. <laughs> yeah, the bromance. <laughs> we have a little, we have a little, maybe it's maybe it's two way, but probably just one way. <laughs> call me, Jason. Do you want a moment? Can you call me, Jason? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but he he's always talked about. Um, he doesn't like the word agency described for anomaly. In fact, the fact that you're called anomaly is because you don't want to be a. a typical agency. Can you talk about that a little bit? Is agency a dirty word? I mean, personally, I'm not too bothered about the semantics of it because, mm. again, we, we we really are, by our nature, focused on the work rather than right. pontificating about, you know, the, the semantics. But I think if you look at our offering and our output, it, as the name does suggest, it it, it, it is different to an agency in terms of the under the sort of perceived understanding of agency within the industry right right um well what else what else is going on with you guys you uh you have a your la office actually works with uh with disney and mickey mouse is a celebrity client <laughs> what's what's uh that relationship yeah, like? LA- especially as as disney is pushing in uh, so hard into the sort of st- the streaming space what and and with the Fox acquisition. Do you work with them on those topics at all? Not, not yet. And and to be honest, this time around, this is a new relationship. But mm-hmm. we have worked with Disney in the past in uh, the innovation space, and we were actually part of the team that brought the Magic Band mm-hmm. to market, uh, which again is a is a sort of classic anomaly solution um, in terms of helping them not just with the operations, but to deliver magic mm-hmm. in, you know today's world what does that really mean from an experience uh, from a company like disney but to your question more broadly on la you know la is going really really well thankfully we're really proud of um the start that it's had um we've got a new creative leader in 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 place there but with josh who's doing some great new work we just launched some new work for all birds which has just come out mm-hmm. um so yeah so tons of interesting um assignments especially given where it is, right, and and how almost like the evolution of LA actually um, f- 
across entertainment and the convergence with tech. So that's a that's an area where we're 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 digging into. So what, we're recording this uh, at Thanksgiving time, uh, mm. end of end of the year here. Do you have uh, uh, 2019? Um, what happened in 2018 that you will, or what did you do, or what did what mistake did you make that you will not replicate in 2019? Oh, good question. Um, very good question. I think part of my, honestly, part of my personal challenge is figuring out how to prioritize. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, of course, continues to become a challenge as you expand your role and as we've expanded other offices. And so there is always a judgment call mm -hmm. on where to spend your time, right? We've just set up um, in Berlin. That's uh, about to have its first anniversary, right? Setting up an office, mm -hmm. especially when your proposition is so different. It takes an awful lot of time. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud we've done. But that, of course, is you're spending time there versus potentially another client in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure if there's a particular example of why I wouldn't repeat, but it's the constant constant kind of assessment of priorities right you can't clone yourself you yeah can't, you can't scale yourself yet uh yet. the tech's yeah. not there what tech what tech excites you um i mean to be honest i was looking at something uh i was i was uh a speaker at the future of storytelling mm -hmm. uh this year in uh in in new york and one of the interesting things uh that really impressed me there was ai mm -hmm. but not not kind of artificial intelligence and, and, and more around augmented intelligence right. and looking at how uh, technology can really help alleviate some, you know, so, some of the challenges that, that, you know, the human race mm -hmm. uh, experiences. So rather, the, rather than it um, being a threat, it's actually talking about how it can actually improve an individual's life. Right. Uh, so that was, yeah, super inspiring. That is interesting. And, and you see, I mean, there's so much fuzziness around AI in general and yeah. hype. And, and it's interesting to hear that, that there are practical applications. Yeah. And I think, you know, just that shift from augmented to versus artificial gives it a different meaning and, and therefore a clear purpose. Different, different contour. Well, yeah. uh, is there, uh, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? What's the, what's the big buzzword for next year going to be? <laughs> I have no idea uh, the big buzzword. G God knows we we are a, a terrible industry for uh, indulging in that you nonsense. Said, you right? said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I, uh, I suppose from from my perspective, and given the amount of years that I've been in this industry, um, less about the new buzzwords, but the benefit that we have. Mm -hmm. Being able to work in this industry is is constantly changing, um, and I think that is what still drives me, and that's the intoxicating kind of um, philosophy of anomaly. Really, is that just constant change um, and being curious and being up for it, right? And so, what is next year's thing? Who knows? Mm -hmm. And anyone who tells you they know, they're lying mm -hmm. because no one's got the crystal ball, obviously. But that's incredibly energizing. I think it's a really dynamic time to be in the industry. Um, we often talk about it possibly because uh, Carl and myself are, you know, Brits, but that mm -hmm. kind of classic Charles Dickens quote from the tale of two cities, you know, best of times, worst of times. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that more now more than ever really is is a good summary of where the industry is and i think it's up to you right which lens and which kind of which lens you place on it um and and of course for us we're excited about what's to come we don't have all the answers but i think we're pretty good at figuring them out great well look look forward to seeing what those solutions are great thanks for joining us thank you so much thank you I want to thank Karina for joining me today. Karina Wilshire will, of course, be the new global CEO of Anomaly starting in January. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of AdAge, and you've been listening to AdLib, produced today by Max Sternlicht. Be sure to check us out at adage.com for more on the Anomaly news and the agency landscape in general. Subscribe to us at iTunes. You can listen to us at Spotify, at Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there are good podcasts. Be sure to give us lots of stars and definitely tell a friend. See you next week, and happy Thanksgiving.